Welcome back to the Sabbatarianism Podcast. I'm Justin Hoos, and I have with me Mr. Neil Saul. Hello, Neil. Hello. So I'm going to disband the whole thing of announcing what uh, number, what podcast number this is uh, for a couple of reasons. A, I, I just don't like following what other people do. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone does. So therefore, I'm not going to do that. But uh it's just unnecessary. Um, anyone listening to it can see it right there in front of them, what number it is, and it's just not a big deal. And you and I are going to kind of do some things. We're going to record some things. And we're not exactly sure how that's going to fit in with what we're doing with Richard also. Or whether it'll be one episode or two or more. <laughs> or whether it's going to make the cut or not. <laughs> All right, so today, Neil and I are going to embark on an adventure here in the Bible. Um, we want to explain what, what we're going to do here? Well, uh, I think it's important to have an understanding of what the people who wrote these books, not, not Moses I'm talking, but uh, you know David when he wrote the Psalms, or Isaiah, Jeremiah, what their mindset was what they thought of God when they described him and so on. and Just kind of their worldview, their world, how they view the world. Exactly. Okay. And uh, in, doing, in, in looking at that, uh, a couple of things. Number one, most of our Bibles today are, are derived from what they call the Masoretic Text. And so the King James and, and all the other, almost or all not all the others, but a lot of the others that are based on the King James. And, and, and that includes uh, Strong's Concordance and, okay. and, and you know, most of the uh, literature from days of yore, we'll say. Okay. Uh, well, let me explain to the to our listeners here what the Masoretic text is. All right. At least what Wikipedia has to say about it. And Wikipedia, eh, I don't know. But, yeah, I could have found a better source. <laughs> well, maybe, but it's good enough. I, sure. I read through it a little bit here. So the Masoretic text, and it goes on to describe all the different names of it and stuff, is an authoritative Hebrew and Aramaic text of the 24 books of the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh. The Masoretic text defines the Jewish canon and its precise letter text and its vocalization and accentuation known as the Masora. Now, this is the main point, right? Is that the Masoretic text was developed through Rabbinic Judaism, correct? Yeah, and what research I did on it showed that... Uh, the original Hebrew language over several hundred years had been basically lost or forgotten. There were, people couldn't read it and they couldn't, uh, they couldn't speak it. And so these rabbis, and this wasn't until the 7th century, and it took them 300 years to get through the process, were made an attempt to uh, what they call Paleo-Hebrew. The New Hebrew. What the Old Testament was written in. No, the Old Testament was the original, the original Hebrew. And these, the, this was the New Hebrew. And, and subsequently... Uh, I'm trying to define what you mean by the well, Paleo-Hebrew. Well, maybe I got the wrong terminology. No, that's all right. Let's just try and kind of... You know, you might 
see if you can look that up. I don't know, but All it, right. it uh, I thought that was the the newer. Oh, is it? I, I well, thought let's so. look it up. Uh, I'll continue while you do that. What what they found out since the 1920s when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, because so many of those scrolls were written about 300 B, uh, B.C., is that there's a lot of differences. And th- these differences make major changes in some of the some of the scripture so just just to be kind of define what we're talking about here and clear is that they'd lost the language and then as they were trying to redevelop it there became kind of two different lines of how to how to pronounce things and how to place the little jots and tittles the things above uh the lettering that indicated vowels basically right and there's two lo- two lines of that, right? There's the Ben Asher and then another one. I don't remember what it's called. Um, is, is, am I correct in thinking that the Masoretic text, they found out that it went one way, whereas the writers of the King James and others went a different way? No, I don't believe so. Okay. I, I think uh, what, again, my research showed that uh, by the second century, uh, the rabbinic Judaism had had uh, was in the process of changing what the ancients believed in in their mind, and and it has to do with more than one God. Yet the scriptures full of references to okay. m- more than one God. Just as an example, this week we're going to be uh, in our local Bible study. We're going to be in Exodus twenty which is the giving of the first time the law was given at Mount Sinai. The Ten Commandments. And God says what? Have no other gods before me. Why would he make a statement like that if there were no other gods that you could put before him? Yeah. And I've heard people say, well, that can be money or, or you know, drugs or no, sex. That's or, idols. Yeah, those are idols. They're not gods. Yeah. There are other gods. We're getting now, ahead of ourselves yeah, here. Though. We are. Um, well, to only a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I did look up Paleo Hebrew, and it says here, at least again with Wikipedia, <laughs> uh, that Paleo Hebrew is uh, to be the script used to record the original texts of the Hebrew Bible due to its similarity to the Samaritan script. So Paleo Hebrew, I believe, is is the Old Testament no, Hebrew. Yeah, yeah. Although and, it, it and may... it's the one that is is gone. Yet they've got this kind of new Hebrew that's really Yiddish and, and other things, and that's not really Hebrew. That this was, or it's not the Hebrew of the Bible. And as you said, that was lost. Right. And they're trying. It took them three hundred years to try and bring this back. Uh, and then I think what you're saying is. Then the Masoretic text was developed from there after... It, it was that text that was translated into Latin. Into, actually, Latin may have been done before, but uh, into other languages, uh, and, and but was used extensively or, or uh, uh, to a large degree by most of the... Uh, you know, those who... who the, tra- the translators tra- who translators. developed these books. True, right. So, like the, the King James, the translators that worked on that work 
used the Masoretic text as kind of their Rosetta Stone to when they make were, these translations. When they were translating the Hebrew, that was the text that they were using to translate. And, and like I say, it, it, there were differences, at least based on the Dead Sea Scrolls. And the most recent, or uh, the, the oldest Masoretic, complete Masoretic text we have is from the 11th century, or 1100s, I forget. <clears throat> so, uh, now you take that versus uh, some of the scrolls that were found in the Dead Sea Scrolls that they, they estimate were 300 B.C., much closer to the source. Yeah. So, and that's that was you know basically the the uh, basis for for this study and, and where we're going to go with this. Okay. So with that said, we are going to use the English Standard Version. Neil bought himself a new Bible after <laughs> I made fun of him. <laughs> I'm going to get another one, too. Are you? All right. And I use eSword, so I've got all kinds of translations. But we're going to use the English Standard Version, the ESV, uh, because... It, it, it uses as much as possible... The, the Dead Sea Scrolls the form. Dead Sea Scrolls, correct. Okay. So... Where are we going next here? What do we want to look at? Well, uh, the first thing I want to look at is, is actually this whole episode will be about God's divine counsel. Okay. okay. That's what we'll name it. How about that? There you go. Okay. Okay, and we'll start in Psalms 82. All right. And it's only eight verses, so I'm going to just read the whole thing. It says, a, a Psalm of Asaph, God has taken his place in the divine counsel in the midst of the gods he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give, give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, this is Yahweh saying, I said you are God's. Sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any other prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. Now, in verse 1, God, singular, but that's Elohim. And the reason it's singular is because there's no, uh, uh, I forget the terminology, when you put like the, if it had the God, it would mm -hmm. be. It could be plural, but it doesn't have that. Just like in Genesis 1. Elohim is a uh, plural word. Yeah. But it, it's... It El is the singular, right. where Elohim is plural. Plural. But just it's Elohim is also used in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, Elohim, Elohim. created right. the heavens and the earth. But the second context there, in the midst of the gods... He holds judgment. That has to be plural. And that's why ESV has made it plural here. And, and many versions... And it is also Elohim, right? Right. That's also Elohim. But And many versions will have plural there. But you can't be in the midst of one. Sure. So, so it has to be plural. I th that, let's back up here for just a second. I think it's good that we also... Uh, kind of fess up here that, that a lot of what we're doing here is based on the work of Dr. Michael Heiser. True. We both read his book, The Unseen Realm. 
Uh, we've, we've both listened to a lot of his podcasts. We find the work interesting. However, some of his work is not in, in line with, with our beliefs and, uh, but that's, that's okay. You know, um, I, for some reason in the modern world, we feel like we need to agree with everybody on something or they can't be our friend or we can't listen to a single thing they say. Right. Which is just nonsense. Yeah, true. Uh, I've never met any man that I agree with a hundred percent, you know, and if I did, I'd be really scared. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's look though, um, at how some of the other translations translate verse one. You read it there from, uh, the ESV. And it says, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Let's go ahead and just go with the King James. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty and judgeth among the gods. So it does it, it, have the plural. In, well, and, and, and uh, uh, it says in the first half of that again, read that. God standeth in the congregation. In the congregation of the mighty, of the mighty. Now, uh, because of that, and other translations that are similar, they think that is men, because of uh, because of the word mighty. Where in you know, or and I've seen in some cases, I think my uh, New American Standard uses in the assembly, okay, in the, or in the heavenly assembly or something like that. Uh, but but you know, in this version, uses the term. The, in the divine council, and what the, what is is pointing out basically is that God is sitting there with this group of beings. In this case, you know, people will want to say, "Well, they're they're angelic beings." No, they're heavenly beings. There's a difference. There's a variety of of heavenly they're beings. They're spirits, and 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 we'll get to that. They're in just not a of minute. this world, right? Let me real quick though uh, the NLT, which is. It's new, such new a re- yeah new living has it's so great and for some things and it's absolutely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this one I think is pretty good. So God presides over heaven's court. He pronounces judgment on the heavenly beings. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, so I think we've got a pretty good understanding here of verse one at least. So he goes on and he's chastising them. How long will you judge unjustly? And, and do all these things. And and uh, not sure I want to break into that section of it yet. Uh, yeah, we'll get to it later. <laughs> okay. Uh, where that comes from or why that is, I'll put it that way. We'll go down to verse 6. I said, you are God's sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die. Well, if they were men... That would be that a, sentence makes no sense. Makes no sense exactly, yeah. and you know this is something when uh, when I first started this topic you know, many years ago that I I never I always believed that the angelic world these even though they were created beings they were spirit beings they couldn't die that's why Satan would be cast into outer darkness. But right there, you know, and if God created them, he can 
take them out. <laughs> well, it, they they aren't subject to like death by age or anything like or, that. Or They're it, immortal may, as far as not dying from from natural causes. We'll say right. But if God wants something gone, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah, we could come up with a few verses about that. Sure. All right. Uh, let's go over a few pages to uh, Psalm eighty nine. Or a click of the mouse, one or the other. And I'll I'll read verses 5 and 7. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like Yahweh? Okay, it says Lord, but I I use Yahweh. Verse 6 is most important there. Who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? That that can't be a human. That has to be, and, and he's in in the in the assembly of the holy ones in the divine council. So you know this is just one of the proofs that so many of the texts from uh, Psalms eighty two that try to make those either sons uh, sons of Israel or or Jews or men in general is an error. I don't know. I, let me read from the King James. So verse 6 here from the King James. For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? Okay. Again, that, that, that's, uh, to me, it's a, a bit of a corruption of the original, which is fine. Uh but it loses some of the meaning that that is intended, uh, you know, because if it could really mean exactly what what you read, but if it depends, your our mindset twists it so because it doesn't make that. Uh, yeah, and let's define that. I think what you're saying here is that monotheism. That, that term, monotheism, there is only one God, and, and that's such trouble for a lot of people of, okay, well then Jesus can't be God because there's only the Father, there's only one God, and it, it causes a lot of problems. Yeah. And when... And it did for the Jews of Jesus' day. <laughs> we'll right? see that at okay. the, when we get progress here. Well, when was the word or the term monotheism even created? It was well after Jesus, right? 1700s. 1700s. Yeah. That was only a couple of hundred years yeah. ago. That was the first time it was it was coined as in a term, you know, as a term. So he, before he, that, it was the common belief. I guess that's what we're saying here: is the common belief was there were actually many gods. There's there's none like the Father. There's none like the Son. They are both way above these other gods, other Elohim, and they stand alone by themselves, and they are uh, the most high, the, the, the of greatest authority. Well, we'll look at some examples of that. But, but down through time, what you're saying here is, is we've come to this one God thing and that that has wreaked a lot of havoc on our modern belief system. Yes, and, and it really came from rabbinic Judaism. Imagine that. Yeah. So many of the people uh, over time would always seek out the Jews for their answers to their Christian biblical questions. Imagine that. <laughs> wow. Let's uh, uh, 
go to uh, before we do that can i read the nlt because yeah, it yeah, really yeah. trashes uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> for who in all heaven can compare with the lord all right that's good what mightiest angel is anything like the lord yeah that word angel is not what's being used here no that's no. a bad translation yeah and especially when you know that uh Angel just means messenger, Some, right. somebody that God sent. And, right. and we'll look at one of those right now. Okay. Let, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 22. And in verse 19, let's see if I want to start before that. Uh, the, this is the, the point, oh, yeah. point in time where uh, really God has decreed that Ahab has to go. Yep, and, and he's standing there on the hill with Jehoshaphat, right? Right, and and, and the prophet Micaiah, uh, Micaiah, yeah. He this could, is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great story. We won't read, read the whole thing. Probably should start at thirteen, but we'll we'll start at at uh, let's see. Uh, maybe we will read the whole thing. Yeah, what do we got to do? Let's go. Let's start at seventeen. And he said, "Let's see. I got to see who he is." Uh, you know what, let's start at 13. The messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophet with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your, wor your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. But I think we got to set this up more, Neil. So Jehoshaphat and, and Ahab are looking at trying to go and take on or, or fight with another place, another um people and all the prophets of ahab are saying yeah go do it and and ahab's asking jehoshaphat hey will you join me in this and jehoshaphat says well what's god say about that yeah. and he says well my prophets say it's going to be great and jehoshaphat rightly said well is there anyone of of the lord that can back that up and and then they send for this guy micaiah or Makaiah or whatever, these names. <laughs> but they send for this guy, and, and the hilarious part is, is Ahab says, he, I hate that guy. He never prophesies anything good for me. Uh, and so they're going to get him right now in 13, and that's where you're picking up here. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll start at 15 now. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, that's, we'll try to use that from now on, shall we go up to Ramath-Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? And he answered and said, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it to you into the hands of the king. Sarcasm. But the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, I, sh I, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep, that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the, and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good? I hate this guy. <laughs> and Micaiah said, Therefore hear the words of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing beside him, on the right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said one thing and another said another. 
Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he says, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, You are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. This is not only an interesting one, or not only a funny one, um, for the reason that I mentioned earlier, but it's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's kind of recap here. Well, and, and one of the points I, I want to bring out about this is that, you know, God doesn't need a no. counsel right. to, to do his work. But then he doesn't need us to do his work on earth either. He doesn't need anyone to do anything. No. So, but, but, but he chooses, he chooses to use his creation, right? In his, in, not only in what he does, but in his decision making. Now he has final approval. You know, if 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 this spirit that recommended this, if he knew it wasn't going to work, he wouldn't have let him do it, right? But and, and subsequently, you know, he gets to go down and be a lying spirit and. And, then, and that's an explanation for what's happening to Ahab that I mentioned here, where all of his prophets are saying, yes, go, go up, you're going to win, yeah. you're going to take this land, Ramoth-Gilead. So it's an explanation of that and how that all worked. It's kind of like going back in time here for a second. I mean, uh, when when he says, when, when the heavenly council or what does it say, the hosts of heaven? Host of heaven in this version. Yeah. They're gathered, and, and God says, yep, go down and, and be a lying spirit. Well, that's kind of a recounting of what we read earlier of, of these prophets, like I said. So um, it's interesting how that all works, and it does outline that God has this this counsel, this divine counsel that helps him even though he doesn't need help. Yeah. Gives him advice, even though he doesn't need advice. He he chooses this for his own purposes, and he can. He's God. So, really interesting story. We'll, we'll look at another one in Daniel. Okay. D- Daniel 4. Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. This is a, a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had uh, where he learns that he's going to be a... Turned into a, a beast. A beast, right? Yeah. Um, me starting in... Verse 13, I saw in a vision, this is Nebuchadnezzar, in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip it of its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee up from under it and the birds from the branches, but leave the stump of its root in the earth, bound with a band of iron and, and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be, let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let him, let his portion be with the beast in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, to, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven time periods pass over him. The sentence is by decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives to whom he will, and sets over it the lowliest of men. 
this dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar saw, and you, O Belshazzar, tell me, Daniel. Daniel, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me its interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy God is in you. And I drop down to verse 24. Uh, Daniel Dan- answers him. Daniel answers him. And in verse 24, he says, This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord, the king. Okay, in the dream, he saw the watcher, a, a heavenly host, a, a heavenly being that was making this pronouncement. But Daniel tells him it's the decree of the Most High. So, you know, it was a council. They decided this is what they were going to do. God approved it. It happened. And but it and, was. And this is in part speculation on your part here of based on what we just read with Ahab and Jehoshaphat and Micaiah and that whole thing. You're kind of bringing that methodology into this story. Is that well, you can say safe? that. Uh, what I guess the point is is that uh, this holy one, the watcher, the, and he says in verse seventeen, the sentence is by decree of the watchers. Okay, the watchers are the ones that said, "Here's what we're going to do." God had to approve. Is it. that word "watchers" the same as what's used for heavenly host, or is this yet a different one? Well, Should we look that up? Yeah. Look, what's verse seventeen say in some of the other versions? Okay. But but it's a decision by the word of the holy ones, so that the, the the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdoms of the men. Almost all of them are using watchers. Watchers. It also here's the NLT <laughs> decreed by the messengers. Yeah, he wants to associate everything with angels. With an angel, yeah. But almost every other one. Yes. Well, NIV uses messengers. Well, do you have the NET there? I do. What's it say? Decree of the centennials. Hmm. Well, let's look at the actual word. That's going to be Strong's 5894. Er, E-E-R. From the root corresponding to another, a watcher, that is an angel, as a guardian, a watcher. Yeah, I could understand why uh, Strong might have made that conclusion. As but a, yet, as you said, Strong is also using the Masoretic text yeah. for a lot of its stuff. Yeah, right. Now, we're not—I w- I want to be really careful here because it's going to—we could drift off, and, and others might accuse us of this, of, of saying that anything that we disagree with, well, the Bible's been altered and it's, and it's wrong. Uh, that's not what we're saying here. Um, we're saying certain words are skewed in a direction— that fits the rabbinic Judaism point of view, and but not that the Bible has been somehow corrupted when it doesn't fit our narrative, right? Because I think a lot of people do that, and I don't like it. No, I agree. Uh, something that, you know, we've talked about this before in, in our Bible studies and what have you. Uh, there's no doubt that there have been many changes in the original text, in, in the translation. No, in, even in some of the original text. Based it, on what, what be, was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls? No, well, not, not necessarily based on that, but based on uh, some of the books of, of rabbinic Judaism, where they kept track of every time they made a change. Really? Yeah. 
it's all okay. they, it's all it's available. And Richards talked about that more than once. That you know they they were so meticulous in keeping their uh, keeping it right that the, when they made a change, they kept they wrote it down well, and they had, had a record of apostolic, it. Apostolic apostolic authority. Why wouldn't they? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? I was supposed to go to. Well, the, but, but my point is here is that the Bible has everything we need for salvation. For salvation, we're talking about very small details here. We're talking about translational issues mostly. Well, um, like I said, we're not saying the Bible is corrupted. I want to be really, really oh, clear about I, that. I agree. I agree. What, but as I mentioned at the beginning. If if we can kind of understand the mindset of those people, uh, you know, from Abraham to Christ, we'll say how they thought and and what was in their minds as they walked on the earth, then we have a little better understanding as we read some of this stuff, even if the uh, uh, translations are different. Yeah, and and that's a. Another thing is the translations can be very, very different. I mean, look at the NLT. That's well, uh, that's one that's very different yeah, from everything exactly. else. Exactly. Even Young's literal translation, which is yeah. a pretty good one, but yeah. he he takes a lot of liberty, in my opinion. Does he? Yeah, I thought so. I've read so the word literal is kind of a. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I just read from Daniel seven. What I really wanted to go or four. I wanted to go to Daniel seven first, and. Uh, Verse uh, 9, and uh, I'm not sure the exact context of this. It's first first part of 7, it's Daniel's vision of the four beasts. Okay, so we're, we're basically it's end-time prophecy. But then it goes into this. This is afterward, right after the, the four beasts are described. Right, and then it's in verse 9 says, As I looked, thrones were placed. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and his hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court, court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. Okay, so this is obviously in God's throne with all these spiritual beings around him, and they're going to hold a council. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot there. A lot of people, or yeah. a lot of, I shouldn't say people, beings. Beings, yeah. That are there for this basically court judgment. Yeah, I would say. And, you know, you have to read through the rest of the chapter to see what exactly where he's going with it. But, yeah. you know, the point for this discussion is that this is another council meeting. And, you know, I'm not even going to go there, but we you can see the same thing in Job, I think, one and two, where, you know, God's sitting on his throne and, and the sons of God. Well, they're gathered. The, the yeah. sons of they're God gathered are together. Gathered. And who shows up but darn Satan. Yeah. You know, and he was not part of the council. He was cast out. Well, it's almost, man, I, the more and more I, I get through all this, it's almost like this whole thing in in the spirit world that we're shown, the, the parts of the spirit world that we're shown, is all a courtroom. Yeah, yeah. It's all judgment. It's all a courtroom. Yeah. Even, even Satan, 
is the accuser. Yeah. He is the one accusing. The prosecutor. Right? And the <laughs> Messiah is what? He is our mediator. He is, our, he is like our, our public defense attorney. There you go. You know? It's, it's all a courtroom. Now, you know, the, the problem that most, let's say, today's Christian world has, whether you're Sabbatarian or not, is that this appears like poly, uh, polytheism. Multiple gods. Multiple gods. And the... Where you have a god of thunder and a god of fertility the, and, right. and a goddess of this. and But all those no. gods did exist. In one form or another, we'll look at a few examples of that in a minute. But uh, is it money, uh, polytheism? No, not really. And the reason uh, English uh, readers presume uh, that that it is is because when we see the letters G O D, we assume that those letters carry with them a, a unique uh, divine attribute. It applies only to you know God the Father, basically. Well, but in modern times, we do say small g. Well, true, and and you know what's we hesitate for the others. We put we hesitate to put an s uh, in those letters, gods. But biblical writers did not have that view. Well, and I I think it's it's always thought of as as like something in in people's heads, not that there are actual other small g gods that exist in the heavenly realm. Well, and and. Uh, the real problem is, is you know, G-O-D or uh, G underscore D, as some people want to write mm-hmm. it, or even Yahweh or, uh, you know, gods, are not unique attributes. They're, they're really a, a, a designation of, of a domain, okay? Even Yahweh, Jehovah, that is a domain? Well, uh, it's unique to him. We'll talk right. about that in a minute. But uh, Elohim is used over a thousand times in the Old Testament to speak of, of Yahweh. Okay? It's also used uh, in in Psalms 82, we read, of the gods. Speaking of these people. Members of the Heavenly Council, we'll say. Divine Council, Heavenly right. Council. Right. Uh, there are, are gods of, of foreign nations. Let's go to First uh, Kings eleven and uh, verse. Let's go to verse thirty three. It says, uh, "Maybe I need to back up a little bit. It'll be all right." Because they have for, forsaken me, talking about Israel. This is God speaking, and worshipped Astaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians. Chemosh, the god of Moab, Milcom, the god of the Amorites, and they have not walked in my ways, doing what is right in my sight, and kept my my statutes and my rules as David his father did. This is where Solomon is being. Uh, his kingdom is going to be rent in two, and uh, who is it? Jeroboam is going to get ten, and, and his son Rehoboam. Rehoboam gets yeah. gets the others. Yeah. So, so, and and he's given it here's you know this is the reason that he's going to do this. Uh, who, who's the the prophet there? I forget. Uh, Ahia took his garment and tore it in twelve pieces. This talking to uh, Jeroboam. This is in verse thirty thirty one, and he said to Jeroboam, "Take for yourself ten pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel: Behold, I'm about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon." So we get the context there, and but the point is, is that 
either refer to all these different beings as gods of... Small g, God. God. Or God S. And I'm sitting here looking at it, and every single one of them, that is H430 Elohim. Yeah, yeah. All of them. Yeah. Uh, And and we won't go there, but Deuteronomy 32.17 uses the word demons. Paul actually quotes some of that when he talks about uh, having... uh, Forget it's in First Corinthians. I forget the book uh, or the chapter, but uh, you know, not association, associating with demons, uh, having fellowship with them. Uh, and that's also an, an Elohim. And that's that yeah, what you're saying. Well, it's it's a different word, but it, but it's, it's Shedem, not Elohim. Okay. But it's a spiritual being, mm-hmm. and and that's the point. Is is. Because when I mentioned that that this had more to do with domain, yeah, that's kind of where we're going with this. Okay. Uh, uh, we'll look at <laughs> this is a good one. First Samuel twenty-eight. <laughs> I, I had I had to read this whole chapter to try to figure out what was going on. Uh, so uh, Saul consults the medium at Endor. Yeah. You know where that name Endor is also used? Where. Return of the Jedi. I, I, I was thinking that's the first thing I did in my life, but I wasn't sure that's Star where we were Wars going. is filled with uh, names out of the Bible. Oh, yeah. The whole series. Yeah. I got verse 13 down here. I guess that's where I want to go. It says, uh, The king said to her, Okay, this the, 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 the witch had just brought up, we'll back up to uh, verse 11. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring, bring up Samuel for me. When the women saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. Because he had disguised himself. Right. And this is a medium who can supposedly consult with spirits. Right. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see God coming out of the, uh, out of the earth. Is, what, what does your version say there? Well, I'm reading with you in the oh. ESV. Um, I can look some up for you, though. Uh, At the end of 13. King James, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. Let's go to our friend, the NLT. <laughs> I see a god coming up out of the earth. Okay, good. So it looks like they're all using that. Okay, and he said to her, what is his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a, in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and the, and bowed his face to the ground and paid homage. Okay, here in this little section, they're calling Samuel a god, equating uh, it to equating, a god. Equating, right. Well, and I, I don't know that they're actually talking to Samuel himself here. I, I don't know. I don't think any of well, us know. Well, th- th- this is the point. Disembodied humans, okay, we die, you know, sit, sit, Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes, the spirit in man returns to God who gave it. And it goes under the altar. And and it's there, right? Right now, uh, uh, where you know the location is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay, the the location of of uh, the foreign gods are in the spiritual realm. The location of Yahweh, Elohim, is in the spiritual realm. Right, all, all their domain is in the spiritual realm. Right. 
I w- all I'm saying, Neil, is that this could be, as as in the case of Ahab and Jehoshaphat, uh, another spirit could have said, I'll go and fool this lady and act like well, Samuel. That's a possibility. Right. And it wouldn't be even surprise me if that was the case. Right. Me neither. Because, you know, I don't know. Right. As far as, as uh, you know, can a dead body come back? Right. If, but, if you know, if God can let a spirit come down and do his work, what, why couldn't he just let Samuel do he it? He could. Uh I saw gods ascending out of the earth. That, that God, should, should small not, g, should not, should not be plural. Is Elohim. Yeah, but it should not be plural. I saw an Elohim. Yeah, I a saw. A spirit being, basically, is what's being said here. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. I saw a spirit being ascending out of the earth. And and so my point is is that, that all these gods have have a domain which is not in the physical world. Even though that occasionally they can cross over, and as w- one of those is uh, the, the angel of the Lord, we see that used sure. frequently, right? And and it almost always refers to God's presence. Uh, you know, he, he he may have sent the angel, but it's like an ambassador. It's like a representation of him, right? It's it's the same, yeah. same as him if it isn't him. In a lot of cases, it is him. In Genesis, where before Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed, the th- three of them come down, and and Abraham sees them. Right. Well, one of those is two of them are angels, and they go on ahead, and the other one uh, is called the angel of the Lord originally. Yeah, but, I I believe it to be the Messiah. It, well, it, it's it's the uh, it, it's 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 one of the Godhead, yeah, and and, and or the representation you know, of this could be another podcast maybe, but the uh, in especially Second Temple Judaism, what they call Second Temple, which is uh, you know between the Testaments basically for the most part, uh, the, all the writings and and what have you, uh, the idea of of a dual Godhead was pretty extant. And it's, that's, you mean a lot of people believe that way? Yeah. And, okay. and that's why when John wrote his gospel, he starts out with, in the beginning was God, or in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Because, you know, and, and there's a distinction between was God and was with God being God the Father and Jesus the Son. And the Son. Yeah. And and so that and and you know at the end of it all after after the resurrection, all those Jewish people that entered the church originally, before you know the gospel went to the Gentiles, uh, had no problem worshiping Jesus as a god, and Yahweh also as the supreme as the like supreme the, god, the only one that Jesus has to answer to. Yeah, but doesn't really need to because they're they're so in line. So now the second part of this. <laughs> Aligned, I should say. All right, where are we going next, Neil? Uh, well, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how could, okay, a lot of places throughout the Old Testament especially, it says that I am God and there's none, none besides me or, or none like me. Yeah. And it seems a little bit contra- contradictory when it says that, you know, there are no gods besides me, but there are all these gods. 
referred to throughout the Old Testament. And let's look at Deuteronomy 4, verse 35 of Deuteronomy 4. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no others besides him. In verse 39 it says, Know therefore today, lay it to your heart, that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. See now, verse 39. Oh, this is uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God, no Elohim besides me. I kill and make alive, I wound and I heal, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. And uh, these are not uh, statements of denial. These aren't disproving that, the... That there are no other gods but him. Okay. There is none equal to him. Right. That's, that's, he doesn't have an equal. Uh, and and be, mostly because scripture would, would prohibit that conclusion. Because it so uses that there are, uh, you know, other gods so many places. So this is what you're really talking about ultimately here is... is uh, Back in the days when the Bible was written, the people that the writers of the Bible were intending to read it, they would have had in their mind already, of course there are other gods. There's all these other gods, but but what when they read this, they what they're reading it as is that God has no equal. Right. That's immediately right. where their mind would have went. That that he is unique. And that and that's what you're saying here of, of how we could potentially benefit from from this knowledge that you're you're espousing or, or that you're putting forward here is that we could also benefit from having that same mindset Tell you what, as we read our Bibles. Exactly. And, and we should have that mindset. And, and like I mentioned earlier, you know, we, we get this image of G.O.D. as one God, no others. Well, and there's Unitarianism out there where there there is only one that they don't they deny even the sun. Yeah, yeah. Which is and Mormonism blasphemy. does the same thing. Who does? Mormonism. That okay. He, he was a created being, and that he wasn't a part of the heavenly realm, and wasn't part that of the John host. didn't know what he was talking about in his <laughs> yes, gospel. And, exactly. Okay. Um, I think I want to read this statement. Okay. Oh, let's go to Deuteronomy thirty-two seventeen first, and uh, this is interesting. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. Okay, re- read that from the uh, NLT. You got that New Living? Yeah, I got them all, Neil. Yeah. NLT, they offered sacrifices to demons, which are not God, to gods they had not known before, to new gods only recently arrived, to gods their ancestors had never feared. Now, uh, the the English Standard Version, that first first sentence says, they sacrificed to demons that were no gods, but the word is not plural. And it's not Elohim, it's Eloah, which is singular. And so the New Living Translation has it right in this case. 
compared to most other translations. Wow. Isn't that Good interesting? For them. <laughs> yeah. So the King James says, they sacrificed unto devils, not to God, capital G. Yeah, and that's that's incorrect. Well, Eloa is usually the only thing that's referencing God, right? Yeah, that's that's right. They sacrificed to demons or devils, not to the God. Well, it, I suppose that it could be that that word, but when when you know, it depends on the context. Now, yeah, was. Read that again, just that first sentence or to the first comma. King James. No. They. Oh, okay. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God. Capital G. Capital G. And almost all the other and, translations yeah, not, went capital G there. Oh, yeah, really? Except Be- for the complete Jewish Bible. <laughs> it says, because the, when you read, you know, this is how and I... ESV didn't either. No, and it says they sacrificed to demons that were no God, were not God. Were no gods, or they, they say no gods, plural. But and uh, that's a bad translation on ESV part. There. Yeah, it is. Eloah is not plural, and and it should be. Uh, yeah, it should be that are not God. Yeah, and whether that's that's see, it could be capital G or small G. Well, he's talking to Israel here, so in, in the context, he's basically saying they sacrificed unto demons. Not the God that brought you out of right, Egypt. exactly. That deserves to be worshipped and have sacrifices. So let's see, uh, go down to verse 39 of 32. It says, See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal. I think I've read that. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. Yet, you know, we see, and in, in even the second half of 17, to, to new gods that had come, or they, to gods they had never known, to new gods. These other versions use plural gods in those instances. In 17 or yeah, 39? in 17. Uh, let me get back. So at the end here, plural, 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 plural. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so in this, you know, in the same book or the same chapter that it, it identifies gods, other gods, it says there's none like me. And the point is, is, is you know, what we mentioned earlier that God is unique. He, he's different than all the other Elohim that's out there. Well, hang on just a second here. Let's chew on this a bit. They sacrificed to demons that were not that was not God. To gods they had never known, plural. Yeah. These same demons that he's saying they sacrificed to were these gods. Elohim. Yes. That word there right. is Elohim. So th- this is a pretty good proof text here for what you're laying down that that there is and and this is Moses talking to the children of Israel. Again, this is Deuteronomy. So now, uh, back in verse 7, or... Of 32? Of 32. Uh, actually, we can, we can... Is it 7? We can go to verse 8. Uh, he's recanting uh, a series of events as he goes through. This is mm-hmm. known as the Song of Solomon. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people, 
according to the number of the sons of God. Most versions do not use sons of God there. They'll use sons of Israel. Israel didn't exist at the Tower of Babel. Well, that's... How, how do we know that this is speaking of the Tower of Babel? Let's let's prove that out. Well, we could go back to uh, Genesis 11, but when did he uh, divide? He gave the nation. When did he, he divided mankind? He he sent everybody on their in their own direction, scattered, scattered them, them in at the Tower of Babel. Correct. When he confused their languages. Right now, at what what he's saying here, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, he he disowned them. Not di- too much different than the prodigal son. Okay, the pro- the son wanted his inheritance, and he went off and. And when God disinherited, he had to put somebody in charge because originally he was in charge of all the nations. Of course, originally there was only one nation before the flood and after until the Tower of Babel. Now, all of a sudden, you got all these different people that are divided up based on their confused, new confused language. And he assigns these angelic Oh, not angelic, but heavenly beings to to be the, their their guardian to to uh, administer their judgment on them, or or uh, uh, you know that that courtroom deal that we were talking about earlier. Okay. Okay. And well, hang on, because I think this is something we need to dig into more. Okay. So and and we're we're kind of out of time for this week. All right. Why don't we come back next time? And we'll dig back into this, right. into this part right here of proving that out, because I think that's really important. That's well, and, something and, and, and I've, I've had a, a bit of a hard time with. Um, I know that Michael Heiser was really well researched, and he backed up his stuff with, with scripture, and he was a he was a he seemed to be a good man to me. I but uh, I want to prove these things out for ourselves. Well, and and one uh, one of the things we can uh, plan on as we move forward. Well, we can pick it up right here, but uh, and there isn't a whole lot more, just more than the time allows. But uh, now, one of the things that uh, God is doing, and we know this even from New Testament scripture, is He's He's in the process of restoring the way things were really in Eden. He's, he's, it's a restoration. Not only we're of, going back to Eden. We're going full, back to Eden. Full circle. Yeah. We, we, we've left Eden. Our ancestors left Eden. And God is going to bring all of us back to Eden. And all the nations as they will exist in the future also. And he will be controlling them, not these angelic or, or uh, heavenly beings. And in, in the process, uh, you know, the worldview basically is that... Uh, He's in the process of doing that right now. And he started with Paul going to the Gentiles because once Israel was, you know, out of the picture of Judah, then then it went rapidly to the Gentile world and is continuing today. Okay, this is another part where I think we got to prove it out. I know this is a part of Heiser's thought process and all that, but we need to kind of prove it for ourselves and, and the listeners can prove it for themselves or disprove it for themselves. But I, th- I think it's important that we kind of dig into those types of things. So let's begin doing that next time. 
All right. You good? Good. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.